0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8:30 or 10:45. Find out more at asburyboziure.org. Good morning. It's good to be with you as we continue our staycation series. You know last week we talked about uh, the, the packing list that Jesus gave the disciples as he sent out the 70. He said, don't take anything with you, no purse. Uh, no staff, no sandals, no bag, and announce that the kingdom of God has come near. That kind of trip is easy to pack for because you're not bringing anything with you. Very difficult to prepare for because we must live into hospitality. Jesus says, eat what is ever presented to you. To be confident enough in yourself that when a town rejects you, you shake the dust off of your feet and and you move on. Packing for that trip is easy. Preparing for it, the trip that we call discipleship, can be difficult. So now, as we've packed and, and we're preparing for this trip, what do we do now that we're on this trip? Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. Verses 11 and 12, it'll be on the screens, it's online and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a sound of sheer silence. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Uh, Earlier this week, I I put a a Facebook poll out there uh, so you could help me with my sermon. I was asking, we were playing a game, Would You Rather? When you go on vacation, would you rather A or B? And the first one was, would you rather the mountains or the beach? I I heard a mountain uh, out there. Well, you are mountain people by 51%. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Uh, that we're split right down. So if I said we all should be mountain people, 49% of the congregation uh, is going to leave. Let me run through these. These are really interesting. Sweet or savory? You are savory people by 58%. When you go on vacation, do you prefer relaxing or doing? 65% of you said relaxing, which is the right answer. Uh, Cooking or eating out? 63% of you said eating out. Would you rather go alone or with a small group or with a large group? 52% of you said alone. Here's one I really enjoy. Uh, Fancy accommodations or roughing it? Roughing it? Wrong. 82% of you said fancy accommodations. You want to go in style, relaxing. Uh, Love this one. Would you rather go canoeing or do anything else? Anything else was right. 64% of you said anything else other than canoeing. That's just a little inside joke between me and Pat Dodd, uh, but thank you for taking the time to, to answer. Would you like to stay in one place or travel around? You chose travel around by 52%. Road trip or flying? Road trip by 58%. Here's something interesting. Would you rather stick with something you know and are familiar with? or would you like to try something new? 79% of you said trying something new. Uh, Just a little slice of of, of Asbury here, of of what you picture picture when you think of vacation. Some of you are imagining going to the mountains, some of you are imagining going to the beach and all of those are right answers. I, I do find it interesting that no one commented saying, I don't really know. Or, well, some of you commented yes to all, which just screwed up my metrics, but that's fine. God still loves you uh, for doing that. Before I go any further into this metaphor of going on vacation and connecting with God and finding Sabbath, it is important for us to recognize that not everyone has that luxury of being able to travel, of being able to get away. For some, just getting a day off of work is a luxury and we need to be mindful of that. This is one of the reasons why I hope uh, we all mask up and we all do what we're supposed to be doing so that our, our, our teachers and our kids can go back to school and our youth group can start gathering together. Because uh, when I was growing up, the youth group was that lifeline of, of travel, having those experiences that I would not have otherwise uh, if we weren't gathering with a group and consolidating costs and, and these kind of things. Yes, the church is about making disciples through education and worship and service, but also fellowship, life-changing fellowship that can sometimes only happen when we are together and out of our context and doing something that we think is impossible. So let us just be mindful of that when we're talking about vacation as a metaphor for connecting with God, is that it it is a luxury that not all enjoy, but I hope... We understand it as the role of the church to bring these experiences together. So when I say vacation, what do you see? I'm not sure what you're picturing in your mind, but I would imagine what you're not picturing, you're not picturing what you typically do on a Monday morning. You're probably not picturing the kids fighting over the last serving of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, I, I assume when you think of vacation, you're not thinking of turning in, tuning into the news first thing in the morning. I'm assuming that when you think about vacation, you're thinking about other, something other that's not in your normal routine. Vacation is taking a break. It's, it's getting away, and that, that is a good thing. <laughs> taking that break, doing something different is a good thing. At least uh, it was for Jesus. There were several times in the gospel stories where Jesus went away. He went up the mountain, left the disciples alone, sent the disciples ahead of him, and he joined them later. Sometimes he went to a solitary place. And I love this. This is from Mark chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Jesus went to a friend's house and didn't want anyone to know where he was. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes you just have to get away. Getting away is important. I happen to be a beach person. Uh, We have a family condo in Pensacola that we go to all the time. I love being near the water. I love being near the water. I don't love being in the water. I'm fine with being on the water. I'm fine with being near the water, not in the water. There's a scar there. Uh, Growing up, and I still do, I have terrible ears. I have weird ear canals. So I've had three sets of tubes uh, in my ear. So when I was growing up, I was the fat kid wearing the Speedo swim cap with earplugs standing on the, on the sidelines. So there's, there's an emotional scar there when I get near water. I'm, I'm imagining eight-year-old me with the swim cap, you know, uh, uh, with all my other friends who are having fun, trying not to get my ears wet. Also, even if, when I do get in the water, I always go where my feet touch. And I, I think that's because I saw Jaws at too early of an age. If you're swimming and your feet aren't touching, you're basically food. It's just, it's going to happen. So I always go where my feet can touch. And, and, and before you make fun of me, you have something. I know you do. It's either clowns or dark stairways or you got something too. So don't make fun of me thinking I'm food if I'm bobbing up into the water. You got it too. It's just different I like going to the beach. The beach, it, it, seeing the vastness of the gulf, it reminds me of creation. It reminds me of, of, of God. There is a peace while I'm there. In fact, Hollywood, Jesus, and the grace of Le Miserables were both finished while at the beach. I find it inspiring. It's lovely. Christy, my wife, uh, she's a mountain person. We've managed to work it out thus far. Uh, she's a mountain, but when she goes up the mountain, they used to have a, a house in Tennessee, Uh, When she's in the mountains, she feels the presence of God being on top of the mountain and seeing the majesty reminds us of God's goodness. God's story seems to revolve, I'm I'm a little hurt by this because I'm a beach person, seems to revolve around mountains. The Jewish people were not a great seafaring people. In fact, one of the only stories uh, that we have in the Bible that involves a ship, well, Paul, he he gets on a ship and the ship is wrecked. Uh, We also have the story of Jonah, right? How did that work out for him? He was swallowed by a big fish, which is why you don't swim. If your feet don't touch, you become food. Jesus, Jesus even walked on the water because Jesus ain't no fool. God's story seems to revolve around mountains, the burning bush. The Ten Commandments, the giving of the law, the transfiguration, the ascension, and of course our text this morning with Elijah and the Lord passing by. Understand, Elijah is running for his life in 1 Kings chapter 19. The king wants him dead. He asks God to take his life and God says, get up. Go up the mountain, for you will see the Lord. The Lord will pass by. And when Elijah is there, you know the text, there was a great wind, but God was not in the wind. Then there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. Then there was a fire. God was not in the fire. And then there was the still, small voice, or the sound of sheer silence. The text seems to suggest that God was in the silence. When Elijah paused in that silence, Elijah found his purpose. He heard a question. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's a good question for all of us to ask. What what exactly are we doing? here with our one precious, radical life. I'd like to think that God was in the earthquake and God was in the wind and God was in the fire. That makes me feel very powerful, that God is on my side and God can shake down the mountains. But in this text, God is in the silence. Why is God in the silence? It's because when Elijah comes down the mountain, he does not take an earthquake with him. He does not take fire with him. He does not take the wind with him but we can always take silence with us. I can't bring the beach home. (laughs) I can't bring the top of the mountain down to the valley. But knowing that God is in the silence means I don't have to go very far to be in the presence of God. Be still and know that I am God as Psalm 46 reminds us, getting away is important. Finding peace is important. Taking a Sabbath is important. The problem with me trying to find peace when I go away is that I forget that God is with me. I don't have to go to the beach to feel the presence of God. You can, it's a good thing. But part of that experience is realizing that God is. Here. God is in the silence. It's just that sometimes either I or life is too loud for me to recognize that. Sabbath and rest is about reconnecting with God. Sabbath is the antidote to transgression. The Hebrew word for transgression literally means to pass through without paying any mind. That's what it means, our transgressions. It means passing through something without paying any mind. Uh, And I I do this all the time. And maybe you have too. Maybe you're having a conversation with someone and you realize that you stopped listening about three sentences ago. Or as the joke says, my wife started a conversation with, you're not listening to me. What a weird way to start a conversation. (laughs) Or your kids are asking you to play and it's just not passing through without paying mind. Sabbath is the antidote because Sabbath is a mindfulness of God. It is pausing long enough to recognize that God is God and we are not and God loves us anyway. Taking time to not work or another way to put it, taking time to realize that the world will in fact spin without us and will one day. Sabbath is taking a break to be mindful of God. And I think the musical Hamilton actually portrays this quite well. I don't know if you've been on social media, you already know this. Hamilton is now on Disney Plus. If you haven't seen it, uh, I recommend it. Not super family friendly for the younger ones, but it's, it's great. It tells the story of, of, you know, the $10 founding father without a father. Got a lot. Fought. It's fantastic. Uh, family loves it. Uh, There's this there's a song later in, in, in Hamilton where it talks about his life and everything is is getting complex. There's a song called Hurricane. In the eye of a hurricane, there is quiet for a moment. A yellow sky. And he pauses just for a moment in this silence. The problem is he doesn't take this peace and this silence back out into the storm as the story continues. He enters back into the storm. His life becomes fractured. He commits adultery. His actions lead to the death of his son. His son dies in a duel. His wife's heart is broken. His heart is broken. And then there comes the song It's Quiet Uptown. Hamilton, or Alexander and Eliza, the Hamiltons, they move uptown into New York, searching for healing, searching for something to hold on to, searching for something that will bring wholeness to them. Here are the lyrics of It's Quiet Uptown. There are moments that the words don't reach. There is suffering too terrible to name. This happens after the death of their child. So you hold your child as tight as you can and push away the unimaginable. The moments when you're in so deep it feels easier just to swim down. The Hamiltons move uptown and they learn to live with the unimaginable. Then Hamilton takes over and he sings, I spend hours in the garden. I walk alone to the store and it's quiet uptown. I've never liked the quiet before. I take the children to church on Sunday, a sign of the cross at the door, and I pray. That never used to happen before. And then you hear about just how broken his relationship with Eliza is. He has wronged her. They're grieving over the death of a child. That's not the way it should be. And then the song ends with this There are moments that the words don't reach. There is a grace too powerful to name. We push away what we can never understand. We push away the unimaginable. They are standing in a garden. Alexander by Eliza's side. And she takes his hand. And then the chorus sings forgiveness. Forgiveness. Can you imagine... Forgiveness. Then Eliza finally speaks and says it's quiet uptown. In their case, their relationship was mended. And I know that that doesn't always happen. Nor am I suggesting that it always should. My point is, is that often we find ourselves passing through without mind this quiet that Hamilton finds is Sabbath. It is a mindfulness of God. He makes a sign of the cross at the door, and I pray that that never happened before. It is a mindfulness of the damage that he had caused, it is a mindfulness of what really matters. He was silent long enough to recognize that even in his most difficult moment, his very silence had been redeemed by the kindness and forgiveness from his wife. There's a lot going on in the world. And if we aren't mindful of God or mindful of what really matters, we will be in a place, as scripture says, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth So let us be quiet enough to be mindful of God. Let us be quiet enough to be mindful of one another and of our neighbor. Yes, there is a time to speak. Yes, there is a time to stand up. Yes, there is a time to speak truth to power and fight the good fight. There's also a time where we know we need great mindfulness. A time where we know we need to listen well a time to be quiet enough to recognize the silence. Some of you may be beach people. Some of you may be mountain people or fill in the blank. We may be divided 51% to 49% on some things, things not necessarily as trivial as where to go on vacation. But we all are God's people created in the image of God. May we remember that God is as close to us as our own Christ redeemed silence. May we find that silence today. Amen.